0: All right, everyone, we are back officially for Season 3 of Collegiate Rainbow Six, and check your six podcast is including a guest this time around. Everyone say hi to Jake, former Texas A&M player for your CR6 team, grand finalist. How's everybody doing? Everyone's doing great, I'm sure. Uh... As far as any new listeners coming in for this explosive season of Season 3 for Collegiate R6, this is the Check Your Six podcast where we will do stats, we will talk scores, we will talk matchups. It might be a little hard this season, but we'll get into that a little bit later. This podcast is going to be starting to cover more than just Collegiate Rainbow Six, Jake is going to be my partner in crime in making sure that we have coverage on the pro league as well. So I'm going to be learning a lot. He's going to be teaching us and let's just kind of get a little more background on Jake. Hey, Jake, how's it going?
1: Hey everyone, I'm I'm pretty excited to be here. Um, as you all know, my name's Jake. Um, I went by the name uh, Fullsend If you guys are familiar with the Collegiate League, I played for Texas A and M, and in season two, we made it all the way to the grand finalists, where we uh, kind of gave up the match to uh, to Houston, unfortunately. Um, and you know, I'm excited to be here, talk about Pro League, talk about the future of Collegiate, and uh, let's get started. Awesome. All right, so
0: season two. I mean you mentioned you were in the grand finals you it was you versus University of Houston that was a big game that was a huge series it went the full distance unfortunately you all just couldn't couldn't clinch it out which I mean that happens that's that is the nature of esports and that that creates a legacy and a history I want to we're we're just going to poke the bear now how do you think Texas A&M is going to take that loss
1: from season two and carry it into season three (laughs) so I'm just gonna say that collegiate honestly needs to watch out for Texas A&M now because you know we already were kind of a force to be reckoned with in season two and that loss against Houston really kind of set us over the edge and it really skyrocketed our our hunger for um, improvement. And, you know, over the summer, you know, we competed in U.S. national qualifiers. We competed in, or competed in challenger league qualifiers. We competed in, you know, a lot of the different, you know, we played all the, the different go fours and, um, and all that stuff, and we did really well. And um, we honestly are leaps and bounds better than we were than we would have played against Houston in season two we were we were we played a lot more um i don't know how you'd say it but um well we played a lot more um on the tactic side than than heavy gunners and that was the reason that we lost against Houston is because Houston was just a team of gunners um they didn't really have a plan of action they didn't really have any stra- any specific strats they were practicing they just ran in and gunned us and that's what hurt us because we weren't winning our gunfights and that's really what angered us and so we we went through and we just kept continuing on getting better and we refined and um, practiced you know day in and day out and um, actually unfortunately I actually stepped away from the team um, because I need to I need to focus on school and you know some other life aspects as well but um they the the guy who replaced me, his name is uh his name's Bert. Um his his end game name is Silva and uh, he's he's an excellent player and he was an excellent replacement for me and I think he's gonna do great things for the team. So Collegiate is Collegiate definitely needs to be afraid of Texas A and M next season. And I mean hearing that they really only replaced one player.
0: I mean, when you when you can bring your four stack into a five man team, like that that carries tremendous weight. I saw it a lot when I was following Heroes of the Dorm, Rip. Um, whenever a team was able to bring back two, three, four players, that just carried them that next step farther than that team you had historically made in the years previously. So, knowing that Rainbow Six is that Twitch, even more heavy team based game especially with deeper tactics. I'm just going to put it out there, deeper, deeper tactics and much more reliance on your team members. Um, Not having that would be devastating for a new roster coming in. But the fact that Texas A&M performed so well and as well as they did last season, they're going to be another force to reckon with again this season. I fully expect to see them in the Premier League. One other team I'm almost positive we'll see them up there with you uh, with texas a&m is central florida they were undefeated all the way up until i think it was the round of
1: 16 yeah central florida yeah round of 16 is when they uh dropped to akron yeah dropping to 16th seed akron who
0: i mean not to take anything away from him but they were 16th like they were bottom seed into the national bracketing so i mean they clearly played At a high level but the difference between first and second was just an insane drop off in terms of like round differentials and just overall player stats like most of the players on second seed was iowa state and iowa state also dropped out in, or Iowa State dropped out in the round of eight. So, I mean, there was a series of upsets. So you could see it as, like, everyone in the top 16 is really close. But when you look at things statistically, like, there is a huge gap. And there's huge falloffs every step of the way, um, every time you step down towards 16. So I fully expect Central Florida to come back incredibly strong, assuming that they can keep mo- most of their roster. If they have a good in-game leader, they're going to correct everything that was left over that they left not on the field I guess
1: yeah you know in in Florida Florida losing to Akron was a huge upset to a lot of people and a lot of people didn't see that coming but what they didn't what a lot of people didn't really account for was the fact that Akron came in hungry the that team was full of of really good players um and As far as I know, they're they're still a team and all of them, all the players remain the same as last season and they're probably going to come back pretty strong as well. And the thing is, is a lot of these teams I've noticed from season one to season two is that especially uh, UC San Diego, UC San Diego won season one. And what happened is they came into season two complacent. They won season one and they were like, okay, you know, we won this pretty easy. We don't really need to try. They didn't practice. They didn't do anything. They came in. They thought they were just going to take the, the trophy away again. And, you know, ironically, we came in and got our revenge and we actually took down um, UC San Diego pretty easily. And I think, they, I think they were pretty upset about that and surprised um, that we actually had taken the time to get better as a team um I, I really hope that a lot of these teams and i'm actually really excited to see how a lot of these teams have improved over the summer and um, i can't wait to watch the matches yeah and like you were saying with UC San Diego and California
0: State University Long Beach those two teams were they were they were first and second place in the first season and they both fell out early like in the round of 8 and the round of 16 or no it was a uh, round of four, round of 4 and round of 8 that those two teams dropped out. So that that history of performing at a high level is sticking around. If they can keep it going for a third year, that's when they're starting to build that longevity for that team and that program. As long as the game's popular and that team starts getting the support, maybe from the university, or they're able to kind of figure out how that club can maintain itself, those teams are going to be in Season three's Premier League, almost guaranteed. Uh, I can't. I, I'm going to be digging in this next week on the rosters and trying to find out who's returning and who has brand new rosters from the existing teams or who are in season two. Any of the new teams, they're a grab bag. Who knows what they're going to do? Um, if you had to put a region as kind of first tier, second tier, third tier, or first, second, third, fourth kind of thing between North, East, West, and South, what what order would you put things in?
1: Um, that's actually um really good question um you know a lot of these good teams they kind they they come from all over i I can't really put a region ahead of any others because it's so it's so it's too scattered to to see a pattern in anything um you know like you know a&m and houston um are in texas you know florida is in florida and you know uc san diego is you know on the other side of the country so um it's really hard to, to kind of pinpoint um which region is, is better than the others, but uh I know I do know for a fact, um, Houston will not be returning this season. They disbanded as a team. Um, so yeah, I thought we we were pretty good friends with uh the Houston team uh, last season and after you know, after everything happened they were like, actually we're not even returning next season because um their captain, I forgot his name, um let me see if I can find it in here. Um, Houston, it was Jesus. Um, Jesus. Uh, um, he actually said that he's stepping away from the team, and the other guys, um, they started their own team called Artifice, and they are they they are they're focusing more on actual comp, you know competition or competitive uh, stuff to get in trying to get into like Challenger League and stuff. So they're not even doing collegiate anymore. Um, as and made that i mean they may have a, a whole new roster come in and register but as far as i know that specific roster will not be returning and that's huge i mean it now
0: now the, that championship is even more of a question mark i mean who knows maybe the houston b team from last year maybe there's the ones taking over if they had a b team kind of thing it depends on how their club was structured and how much interest they had but like if they have a a full another roster like who knows maybe they were all people who are like man our team almost choked and lost it in the grand finals we can't let that stand so we're gonna have to come out and dominate so maybe you have a whole bunch of 4k ELO, elo players just waiting in the wings for some reason
1: yeah that that is also a thing you know um it was kind of a pattern to kind of see you know being in a college, you know, and the re- the restrictions being that your players can only be at your college, you know, you kind of take what you can get, and so a lot of teams, you know, they grab a bunch of players and they and they play and they play for fun, and that is one thousand percent okay, and I encourage any team to participate, um, um, is as, as long as they they're having fun. When they the moment you stop having fun in this league is the moment that you need to stop playing the league because you know that's what this is all about is to have fun, and um a lot of the other teams have been kind of bagging on these lower teams, you know, Oh, there's just a bunch of silvers or just a bunch of goals. Like, okay, that's, that's fine. You know, they're having fun. Um, But at the same time, there's, there are some, you know, it's fear of the unknown at this point with how many teams are, are registered and the new teams, you know, there could be some serious, some serious firepower out there that nobody knows about yet. So. And I mean,
0: thinking about that coming from the opposite perspective we we all know about uh cal state irvine and maryville and ohio state and uh like boise state those huge programs those programs that are having huge success in really developing what esports is on college campuses and texas a&m no no slouch in that regard either but maryville didn't even qualify for the playoffs they were cut out and like or they might have made like the regional uh, playoffs but then they they didn't make it like maryville is like one of those power teams across esports but their r6 team did not make it i don't think they'll be Mm -hmm. satisfied with that this year so i expect a little more effort on their r6 teams because they have almost a legacy already to have to keep up and i imagine boise state might be stepping things up as well they didn't make it out of the group stage i'd actually it's a little unfair it looks like they registered but then like their team dropped or something like that because they went oh and nine and like a perfect negative 90 round differential so i don't think mm-hmm. they actually got to play so maybe they get a chance to play this year um so you know
1: it's, and it's it's funny that you mentioned Maryville and everything because you know I I thought the same thing that you know Maryville's pretty pretty big in esports and you know I expected them to be pretty good at, at Rainbow Six, you know. Yes, we did. We did beat them pretty handedly um when we played them, but the thing is is like they they were good players. The 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 difference between us and them were was strategy. They didn't they didn't have any strategy. You know, they they came in just looking to you know run around and, and, and gun people, and that's unfortunately that's not what Siege is about. Siege is, is a chess game actually. You know, it's it's a it's a lot more in depth than people give it credit for. I mean, as a
0: a uh, level design uh, not expert, but someone who pays attention to a lot of a lot of that across multiple games. There is not a game that has a more complex level design and environment that players have to play in than Rainbow Six Siege. There is Hands down, this game is so lovingly and painstakingly crafted for players to play in that it is a playground and where anything can happen. So it's up to the players to make the magic happen, but to give them so much space to play in and opportunities to make plays... It gets weird and complicated real fast, so I mean, the the level design aspect of the game is just probably my favorite part, and so when you say that you can't just come in and run and gun, it is absolutely true, because the environment will kill you itself if it can.
1: Yes, you know, that's... And the point of, of CR6 is to kind of introduce a lot of, these, a lot of these players to the competitive side of Rainbow Six. And There is a what I learned when I first started doing this is that the moment you step into competitive, it's a whole new world. It's it's amazing. You know, I I didn't think it was going to be much different. You know, you know, playing ranked and playing casual and stuff, and then going into competitive, it is a totally different beast. Um, and a lot of players just weren't ready for that, and it's it's hard. (laughs) But once you get the once you get the. Yeah, but once you get uh you learn the ropes,
0: it's it's a lot of fun. I want to touch back on the difference between what you saw in collegiate Art 6 and what you're seeing in the pro league when we start talking about pro league, so don't let me forget that. But, okay. Let's move on to season 3. Season 3 collegiate Rainbow Six has seen obscene growth over the summer and throughout the summer. I mean, the what they're quoting on their Twitter account is that they're as of, let's see, 17 hours ago, 22 hours ago, they were at 194 teams. But Jake, you were saying that they hit 208 teams registered, mm-hmm. which they were capping at 200. But one of their league formations is set up to accommodate for an infinite number of teams. So those eight teams might just make it through. But okay. when we look at the number of members, that collegiate r6 had at the end of the spring season to now they've grown by 1100 people which that kind of growth i don't know how these guys manage it like the admin behind cr6 it's just crazy to think that they're putting this together and one of the other things that i thought was awesome to see is that cr6 is Guaranteeing at least a prize pool prize pool of two thousand dollars, and it's going to it, they've already broken out how it's going to be paid out, what teams are likely to get what percentage of that, and so it's all up front and players know that from the beginning, there is money on the line, which I can only imagine is going to, and, and like just really drive a lot of that com- competition and that drive to win. Which I know that there was a prize for last year, but it was smaller. But seeing that this growth in the community, the amount of support, and the amount of schools that are coming out to try out for this, like that's, and the fact that every team, every team, whether you're a new team or a returning team, has an opportunity to qualify and earn some of that prize pool. That's really, really cool to see in just the third season of this.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and it makes me so happy to see like how how big this has grown and how much it's blown up. And you know, with with growth with all this growth, um, you know, here's the the controversial side of it. Um, I, I I sincerely hope that they have a, a a bigger management team because unfortunately, like last season, the way the whole league was managed, some of it was kind of bad. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bad talk them or anything. It was just a lot of the the rules and the way things played out. Um, it was it was very poorly done, and I it def, I definitely think it could have gone, gone better. And I really hope that they, I really hope that they took a lot of our feedback into account and kind of overhauled it all. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they do things this season. And um, I heard a rumor. Um, that they're going to try and cast the matches. I'm not sure how they're going to do that with how many teams there are. Um, I don't know how true that rumor is, but the, that would, that'd be really interesting to see, especially since um, so there was a the production guy Sam. He, he stepped away from Collegiate R Six and he was a big a big factor in their production. So I'm really curious to see who stepped in to take over that role.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard about
1: um,
0: casting, because I know that they did regular casting on, what was it, Fridays and Saturdays, um, for just a couple matches each night, and just as kind of like spotlight matches. I imagine they'll keep up a lot of the same thing. They were looking to pay observers, so anyone who hears this and is interested or experienced at observing in Rainbow Six... Uh, Join the Collegiate R6 Discord and follow them on Twitter and let them know that you can do this because they're looking for some paid opportunities for that. Um, But with that sheer number of uh, teams, I imagine that they just have to coordinate their own observers and their own guests to be able to record VODs and maybe stream it. But to to cover that many games, that, that takes not just a full team, but like a paid team effort to get there so it'll definitely be interesting i i'm going to be reaching out to some teams and seeing if if they would let me in because i one i could practice observing and two it would just be great to get to see some of these games live especially for some of the games that weren't streamed last year there were some matchups that i was really interested in seeing just because statistically the teams were so close that it would have been kind of fun to see some of those matches so i'm hoping that there's definitely more opportunity
1: to see them yeah absolutely and um this season is going to be different because this season there's actually a paid entry you know the past two seasons have been free entry and the prize bowl has been stuff that they had to gather themselves um from sponsors from you know out of pocket or you know whoever. Um, so this season, I think it was ten dollars a person. So about fifty-five dollars per team, with a five-dollar, um, like, I think, administrative fee on Battlefy for making the the team. I think, um, which they actually didn't even know about until last minute. So it's about fifty-five dollars a team, you know, which, in my opinion, is good. At f- at first, I was like, I was pretty against it about having an entry fee into this league. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? That gives more of an opportunity for this league to to grow um, and to get better. You know, we're supporting the league by paying this entry fee, so I really hope to see all that all that entry money um, doesn't go to waste and goes goes toward uh, making it a, a quality league. Absolutely, and I mean that's something that I've heard
0: regularly recently from the fighting game community is that so many of their local tournaments or even some of the bigger tournaments. Their buy their buy-in fees are ten dollars and they've been ten dollars for the last 15 years so they haven't seen much growth because they're not willing to ask for a bigger buy-in but some of the some of the players recently are starting to say well what about a twenty dollar buy-in that would drive a lot more interest and a lot more people to travel because i mean even out here in seattle there's not a whole lot of opportunity for competition so and especially if you're going to drive an hour, or two hours for a hundred bucks when you're probably going to have to buy dinner, you're going to have to gas up your car, you're going to have to figure out one thing or another, you're not going to make any money off of that. Like basically, the team, the uh, events that have qualifier points that lead into something bigger, that's what's driving people, not so much the prize pool anymore, because then it's that hope of a bigger prize pool. So applying a buy in to the league. Like you said, it can only help the league if it's used appropriately. So, here's hoping.
1: Fingers crossed, right? Absolutely. And I think it's going to drive a little bit more competition too, because, like you said, you know they're they're playing for money now. They're playing for a real a real tangible prize here um, that everybody's going to want to get a hold of. So, uh, it's interesting to see how these teams are going to change up their tactics for this uh, season.
0: And. I mean, to take it that one step farther, the team that wins and they bring home the majority of that prize prize pool and they can show their university regardless of what, what status their universities take on esports is, it's going to mean something to that school. It should absolutely be a bargaining chip to say, hey, maybe we could start getting some computers instead of having us use our own computers. Or like, you guys... i believe it was you all who never actually got to play together in the same room
1: when you were competing that's right isn't it and yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, we don't have we don't have an esports center we don't have a a place where we can go and play we all had to play from our our own uh apartments dorms house whatever
0: and i mean like i know a thousand bucks like that'll get you one good computer but what that means to the university is that's maintenance costs that's Having covering the janitor having an extended hour so that they can come in and lock up the equipment after everyone's done mm-hmm. but like there's other costs that that could cover and that's incentive for the schools to get more involved so cr6 you're doing everyone a favor by bringing esports into their colleges so let's make sure that that money doesn't go to waste and that we can build out this league as much as we can as content creators
1: Absolutely. At some point, this league's gonna get big enough to where the schools can't really ignore it anymore. Um, you know, same with same with every other game too. Not just you know Rainbow Six. Um, like Utah, their their, their new uh, East like it has, it's not built yet, but their their new planned esports center. It's amazing. For those of you who haven't seen it, go check out Utah's Utah Esports Twitter page and look at their 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 planned esports center. It's it's amazing. The renders are just phenomenal i i
0: I, i'm a sucker for hexagons like i'm wearing it on my shirt right now but like i'm a sucker for that design and they just leaned into it hard and i'm just like oh oh that
1: if i was back in college that is where
0: i would spend all of my time it's not even funny
1: oh absolutely i'd be there i'd be there every day every night you know like that's that's where i'd do my homework too you know
0: absolutely i mean there's there would be no reason to leave um Going back to the league, what is kicking off this Sunday is Phase 1. We have Phase 1 going from September 29th through October 25th. This is four weeks of completely random matchups. This is going to be what seeds players into the three different leagues that are making up uh, CR6 this year. Let me pull up those names. One is the Premier League. One is... I had it up, where did I put it? Oh, so Premier, Main, and Open Divisions. The Premier League will be the top 16 teams who come out of Phase 1. The next uh, batch of teams, I believe it was 42... 48th, uh, so it's teams 17th through 48th after the first four weeks, so 32 teams, sorry. Um, they'll be placed into the Main Division, and then everyone after the 48th place is put into the Open League. And so where it goes from there, there's a whole nother month of competition where there's more relegation. There might be teams dropping in and out of Maine and swapping with the Open teams. So ah, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. There's so much opportunity to really get teams playing with other teams who are in the similar caliber so it's going to drive those teams to play even better as the season progresses which is what I'm really excited for. I'm excited to see that team who just gets crushed in the first in the first four weeks but then they come back and they like go on a hot streak and they've, they have something clicks and that'll be mm-hmm. just a great story to hear. That'll be a great story to broadcast and bring more notoriety to that school and maybe we see them into the premier league the next year so uh, building that history building out that uh, that huge narrative 200 teams is ridiculous i I, i'm I'm just i'm going to keep saying that because this is 200 teams of at least five people who say they want to spend their time doing this and they're going to be putting on some phenomenal entertainment and some great uh, content to comment on. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Is there any specific part of CR6 season three that you are wanting to see? Is is there a grudge match that you want to see? Is there just like, do you want to see Houston trip and trip on their face and just go 0 and 16 for the entire season?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, if Houston does return to CR6, then. Yeah, I, I, you know, I would like to see another A&M Houston match so we can kind of get some, uh, some redemption there. But uh, the other teams that I would really like to see make it back to the, to the playoffs would be uh, British Columbia, um, and Grand Canyon. Those two teams were, oh, and Akron. Those, those three teams, um, they were, they were new to CR6 last season, and I, I think they've got a lot of potential, and I hope they, I hope they make it back because I really want to see them play. Yeah,
0: and I want to see Central Florida kind of recover from their their stumble near the end of the road there. Um, I think that they're they're a tremendously talented team, and they, they proved it throughout the playoffs, throughout their uh, regular season, that they're a team to be reckoned with. And if they can kind of season that and make sure that they're veterancy and that they're not just coming in complacent, like – um, and just how they dropped it to Akron, like that would be a huge thing to just get them motivated to come out strong.
1: See, my 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 thing with Central Florida is that Central Florida, um, I, in my opinion, they they got the, every you know all the seasons they played, they got kind of placed in a division where they're just better than everyone, so every team that they've played you know they beat and they, they beat very handedly. but the moment they actually came across a team that was you know moderately skilled they lost to you know aka Akron so I, I want to see them play play a skilled team right off the bat and see if they can actually hold the hold their name true because you know you know coming from this pattern of 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 who they're playing you know they're they're playing these these lower tier teams um first and and they're just essentially inflating their stats and then they come in they come into playoffs and then they 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 play a an actual you know mid mid to high tier team and they lost so i would like them to see i would like to see them play a, a higher tier team first and and see if they can actually beat them
0: and I mean, that makes sense. And that that kind of goes back to that question that I had about like a stronger region. So, I mean, they might have just been a stronger team in the, in the group that they were given, which a lot of them were Georgia and um, other Florida teams, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Clemson, Florida State, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, uh, Florida, FIU, I don't know what that one stands for. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, they, they might that Florida Southeast re- region just may not be as strong. And Central Florida was the diamond in the rough. And, well, when you bring it up to other people or other areas, they might not be able to stack up. And that's one thing that we didn't get to see a whole lot of because there was only two matches of their season that they played against teams not in their group and in their division. So maybe we'll get a little more of that cross-pollination in that first four weeks or even into that second set. Absolutely. And one thing to call out, this is the fall season. Everyone's getting their feet underneath them. The spring season, and it's not to take away the competition in the the fall, but that spring season, everyone's going to be at 100% as far as their teams are going to be able to be.
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: Well, that's enough about season three. Why don't you give us the quick and lowdown on the Pro League?
1: So Pro League Season Ten um, has has been really interesting so far. Um, you know, going into the first half or ending the first half of the season at Dark Zero being at the top. You know, going into Raleigh, um, it was kind of disappointing to see the you know the top NA team not even not even make it out of groups yet, um, not making it onto main stage at Raleigh. Um, with um, who was it? Empire. Empire winning. For those of you who don't know, Team Empire is a uh, is a Russian team um, from EU, a Russian pro league team, and um, they took down G2 finally. Um, G2's reign is over in pro league. So, um, you know, what's what I think is is interesting is that when it comes to EU, G2 has been this titan in pro league for a long time, and, and now it's it's getting to the point where G2 May not qualify for, <laughs> they may not qualify for the, for the for the finals. So, um, it's it's getting down to the wire. They they've lost too many matches. And uh, another thing about NA, after the 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 season half, NA did this huge team shuffle. Um, I don't know if you're aware of that, Joe. Yeah. Did you hear? No, I, I I watched the roster apocalypse happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, after after Raleigh, a lot of things changed. Um, Canadian from Evil Genius, their IGL left, went to Space Station. Now he's Space Station's IGL. Um, Space Station um, also dropped Chala and picked up Foltz. Um, LG picked up um, Factor. I believe. So Factor, came from Challenger League, is now in Pro League, plays for LG. Um, let's see. Uh... I'm going to be a
0: little upset that Space Station doesn't tie as many times as they used to. Now that they have the the, the roster change up, like, I, I love those ties. I, I thought the ties were just like, as much as it was like, uh ah, no one won, it just meant they were that close.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. There's another roster change that I thought was really interesting. So going back to EG, their coach, um, Gotcha, left. Um, So now Gotcha is now the coach for uh, TSM, Team Solomid. And the interesting thing is that, so TSM, they've always showed some promise, but, you know, at LAN, they can perform. Um, But they've never really actually been able to... You know follow through they've always been on the cusp of you know winning these things uh, but never be able to go over the top and the moment they got gotcha they had a week with gotcha before dreamhack one week with gotcha go in and they won dreamhack completely um that's a turnaround that's gonna be, it is um after so besides gotcha biologic their team captain um he left for some personal reasons, um so in in biologics place they picked up um jarvis so jarvis is now part of tsm Uh, he's their their igl i believe um i think i i i may be wrong i think he's their igl but uh Either way, Jarvis is a part of their team, and he is doing great things for TSM. And honestly, TSM's future is looking really bright. They've got a, a they've got a tier one coach. They've got tier one players now, Um and I think they're gonna I think they're going to uh, they're they're gonna come out on top in a couple different tournaments. I I'm calling it now. Um, You know, LG at the beginning of the season they looked unstoppable. They took Pro League by surprise you know they came in and they just started stomping um you know back then they were known as 92 dream team before they got picked up by their organization um you know they came in and were they were just sweeping matches and i think now i think that's comes you know that's Due to lack of information, so a lot of the, the pro teams they talk to each other, you know, after they you know play certain teams and all that stuff, but nobody had any info, nobody had any analytics on on ninety two Dream Team, and so, um, you know, they kind of it was a it was a shot in the dark um, for a lot of the teams, and that's why uh, ninety two Dream Team was able to come in and just start winning, but unfortunately, after the team started talking and they started getting more information on how they played. They kind of started dropping down the roster quite a bit. Uh, they started losing a, a lot more matches, but I still have faith in G. I think I think they're gonna they're gonna come back and they're gonna get better. Um. Dark Zero, they are doing really well. Um. For for a while, their player their player Nix. I think he was kind of in a slump. You know, at the beginning, Nix Nix was a. He's an excellent entry fragger at one point he was the number one entry fragger in the United States or North America to say that actually um and then he kind of i think he performed bad one one match or one land and then he kind of got into this slump um but come looking at these past two matches he is he's out of this slump and he he is ready to rock again and he rocked the last match he was he was m v p along with uh, along with hyper and You know, Dark Zero dropping Jarvis and picking up Hyper. (laughs) That was probably the best decision they made in a long time. Hyper is insanely good. Um, He's an insane shot. You know, he makes some excellent decisions, and he's just the 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 amount of the amount of decision or the amount of like tactics that go into everything. Every little thing he does is. It's pretty amazing to watch. So if you guys haven't watched any Dark Zero um, matches, I suggest you go on onto on to, uh, Rainbow Six's Twitch and go watch them because it's 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 a sight to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I know Dark Zero was starting on the upward trend not too long ago. Maybe at the beginning of the summer, they were starting to show more promise. They were starting to figure out some more moves here and there. And now when I'm looking at their recent results. It's pretty reminiscent of what you would expect to see, of a tier or a team that's at the top playing some of the lower teams. So against the Sonics, seven one in a best of one, or against Rogue seven three, they figured something out. They figured something out as a team, and they're mm-hmm. they're clicking in this meta. How much do you think? Like, is it partially that the meta has really suited their play style, or is it really just that they know this
1: game now? They know who they are as a team, and that they're actually able to execute. Um, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, I think they figured something out, and also, they when the you know they're they're a new startup organization, so they're they're pretty small. They never they never really had an analyst. At first B C was an analyst and uh eventually they you know they used to have a player named Pojaman who's now on T S M. If you guys you guys might be familiar with him. He used to be on Dark Zero, you know, Pojaman got dropped and then B C went from an analyst role, um, to a player role. And so they only had one coach and then they're five players. But recently, they picked up um, actually my former teammate Christian Guerra, or East Central, as you guys might know him as a as their analyst, and um, they've actually been doing great things with him. And you know, talking talking with him, all I talk with him all the time, and he tells me everything that um, I mean. He doesn't tell me everything, obviously, but <laughs> um, we we talk a lot, and and they they are they're changing things up and it's for the better just keep it short and simple (laughs) yeah no i i
0: mean that's about the time when i realized that they were starting to trend upward and if you go back and listen to the summoning hour podcast i had with um glenn where he tracks a bunch of the analytics for street fighter and the pro street fighter leagues and he's just like data 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 is what drives these players and what is driving some of the biggest growth in individual performances. So to see that effect playing out in Dark Zero's performance, like I think it's absolutely been a factor. And I think that's one of those things where it's not so much the the talent that's on the team, it's learning how to coordinate that talent that's on the team. You might have the best players in the world, but if they can't anticipate what the other team is going to do. It's going to make it a little bit more difficult. And then the professional leagues, that
1: extra bit of difficulty just can be catastrophic. You know, and I, I've had actually had a few chances to go down to the dark zero team house myself and, and hang out with the, with the guys down there. And, you know, now when it comes to pro league, you know, at face value, you know, you're like, okay, you know, these guys, you know, they practice, they strat, they scrim, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, I know that some stats were involved, but I didn't fully understand the amount of actual statistics go into their analytical work. Now, for those of you listening that don't, that are pretty new to Pro League, let me, let me explain this to you. They will actually scrim, you know, those, let's, let's say they scrim 20 times, you know, against, you know, whatever team. They've got 20 scrims. They will go down, they will go map by map. For each site on each map, every win, every loss, their stats. Um, win-loss percentage on each site, not just per map, not a win-loss on a map. They do win-loss per site, per map. So by with those stats, they will determine which is their best map, you know, by percentage of winning. Um, and, like, you know, who was who, like, who the most picked on the enemy team? Like, how, how many times is this operator picked? um and how many times did they win with this operator in a percentage and it's just and they have those kind of stats for every team and i was just amazed at how how much like how much work went into that i was like i didn't even know like i didn't even know like you could go into into this much kind of into this much depth um of analytical analytical work for this kind of um for this kind of game um and I, I was just I was just swept away by how much work that goes into him.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is my jam. Like I used to pitch and play baseball. And when I'm looking at the upcoming roster, when I'm looking at what were they swinging at? What where were they swinging? What pitches are they like just smashing? Like whenever we ha- were able to have that data on the other team as a pitcher and catcher, battery like being able to go back and forth and be on the same page and knowing their first their first seat or their first batting order batter and like who their sixth batter is and like trying to understand names so if they tried to switch up their batting order like what's that's going to do to your play style and how you're going to coordinate with your uh, infield and everything like it changes so much as soon as you have that insight which is why you'll see particularly in like high school and um kind of special leagues where they have the players keeping the books so that they know that data as it's happening so that when they come back around and playing that team again they know what to expect and that the way they have that history on them already and that's why scouts go to games and everything so that's why i'm so hungry for vods and every opportunity to talk to other people who are watching these things because it's more data to comment on and more data for players to feed off of and it just accelerates the growth through the roof so i love this stuff and to hear that they've taken it to such an extreme it means that they are doing the work to be
1: that number one team in in a oh absolutely um you know christian and 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 even though BC's a player, you know he's 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 working his heart out. You know with Christian and they are, you know they they chat every night for hours. You know what can we do? You know to practice. You know what you know what kind of scenarios can we put ourselves in to get better at? You know, you know X, you know whatever whatever situation it might be. Like you know how do we get better at you know these one v threes? How do we practice that and stuff like that? So it's. It's pretty awesome to see this this startup org work so hard um, to keep number one, and it shows they are still number one. And they we'll have to see how they stack
0: up over time. Is there a matchup that you see coming up that people should pay attention
1: to? Because I know there's games going on tomorrow. Uh, t- tomorrow. Um, no, actually, I think. Play day ten is on September thirtieth. Oh am I looking uh so Play day Oh sorry, Europe is brand. tomorrow. Ha <laughs> that's what I was looking yeah, at. Europe. Um Play day ten for NA is on September thirtieth. Um and Dark Zero will be playing LG. That's that'll be an interesting match. Um but ultimately I think uh I think Dark Zero is gonna win. Um I I really wanna see T S M versus SSG.
0: Yeah, that's one I'm looking forward to. I, I've followed probably Space Station gaming the closest, but to hear that TSM has made some moves and that they show that promise, like if, if you're a betting person, the what uh, Unicorn, com, if you want to check it out, the odds that they're giving um, against uh, TSM is 2.6 to Space Station's 1.4. So it's still heavily in space station's favor but you never know like these roster changes and if teams have figured things out if there's enough data on space station one one move can be enough to make it happen or who if there's just a favored map that the other team's just not quite strong on like we'll we'll
1: see that pan out pretty loud and clearly oh yeah absolutely you know and the reason I'm i'm excited for this matchup is because on both teams i love every single player you know all all the players are 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 super awesome and you know like bosco and rampy on ssg just two absolutely nutty players and then you on tsm you have you know pojo man and jarvis you know he's a you know season one veteran um and then you have you know bolo you know at first you know bolo is an interesting story you know i for those of you listening, you probably know who bolo is. You know, everyone he's got this cult following, you know when does bolo play dot com um, yeah, that's that, that's a real thing that's bolo, amazing. Man. That's a real thing. Um, they made this website called when dot com um, <laughs> so, you know, when he got into pro league, it changed it changed pro league. We have broken viewership records since bolo has joined pro league we at raleigh the viewership for raleigh at one point on twitch was was higher than the call of duty world league which is incredible which is insane it's insane um you know and also when he first joined pro league Everybody was like, "Oh, he's gonna do! He's gonna destroy everyone! You know, his aim is way too good for everyone. I can't wait to see him just slay everyone!" And you know, I kind of felt sorry for him at first because he goes into this this first pro league match, and he is just—he's got this world of pressure on his shoulders to just, you know, drop double-digit kills, you know, in his first match. Everyone was just waiting for it, you know, and then, you know, to no surprise to me. He he underperformed, and I think a lot of people were kind of bummed. But at the same time, like I I knew that was going to happen because I knew he was just going to be extremely nervous because all of these people put this insane amount of pressure on him. Um, but now that he's kind of got his sea legs for 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 P, for PL, he has actually been he's gotten ace after ace after ace. I don't know if you I don't know if you have you have you been watching. No, I'm yeah, going to have if, to find some Bolo highlights. Oh, this past match he got an ace. Like it was funny. He did a uh, he did a YouTube video with Get Flanked, where he, you know, the pro and potato um, series that Get Flanked does. Interview you know, Bolo was talking about his aces and his upcoming match. That night when he played, he got an ace again, and, you know, in that next match. He is just he's he's turned into this, you know, this uh, this nerve-ridden player into a a, a confident just hungry, hungry competitive player now. And what I like about him the most, especially after watching that interview with him, he is just, he's, he seems like a really humble and a really genuine dude. And he's just so excited to finally be where he is because he's always wanted to do it. And now that he's old enough, he's finally doing his, or is finally doing like what he dreamed of. And like, it was just so awesome to hear his journey um, through everything. You know, everyone thought he was a cheater at first when he first started playing. And now he's playing on the same team with a lot of the pros who called him a cheater back in the day, which is really fun. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Merck, TSM Merck and achieved. Uh, No, no, it wasn't Merck, It was was achieved back in the day. This guy was just all over Bolo um, for calling him, you know, calling him cheater and stuff. But now everyone respects him. And as they should, he's a really good player. And he respects everyone else, too, which is... Which is what I like to see. You know, I I see a lot of these pro league players that come in, um, they make it into pro league and now they've got this huge ego on their shoulders. But Bolo, he just he's he's coming in, he's he's chill, he's 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 hanging out and, and he he just enjoys playing the game and that's what it's all about. Love it. All right. Well
0: why don't you let people know where they can follow you on social media so that they can follow along with your commentary on pro league and CR six as it goes on. And we will have to link out the podcast when it goes live.
1: Yeah. Um, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, um, I'm at syntax S Y N T A X X G G. (laughs) And then also, uh, my Twitch is, um, twitch.tv slash uh, syntax with two X's underscore GG. Sweet. And
0: for anyone who doesn't catch this live or the, just catching the end of it and you don't want to sit down and watch a VOD that's almost an hour long, this will be going out in the next couple days ahead of CR6 kicks off, CR6 Season 3's kickoff. So you can always find that on anchor.fm slash... The Summoning Hour, it will be highlighted as Check Your Six in the episode title. I might spin that off as its own separate podcast, but for the time being, it is hosted on The Summoning Hour, which is my other weekly podcast. So check that out while you're there. Uh, Feel free to leave commentary for either Check Your Six or The Summoning Hour. If you do anchor.fm/slash the summoning hour/slash message you can leave a message and it can be incorporated directly into the next podcast and that way the community can be a part of the podcast as well you can also download the anchor app and do the same thing from there whatever is more comfortable for you and going to that website will also give you a list of where you can find the podcast on 10 different sites so it's on all of the popular podcast aggregating websites and apps so you can find wherever it is most comfortable for you. And I look forward to publishing another season of Check Your Six and keeping everyone in tune with the collegiate scene of esports. That's it for me. You can always catch me on most social media media at at warlock warlock recall. That's all I got. Anything else you want to say, Jake? That'll be it for me. Alright, everyone. Y'all have a good night.